Hello, everyone. We are back again on another episode of Tomahawk Talk, the podcast, still sidelined from the studio. We hope to be back as soon as, as it is safe to do so. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and I am joined today, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Gary Putnick. Gary, I, I know there was you know a little bit of uncertainty, a little bit of doubt about the summer gig that you picked up and whether or not it was going to happen because sports were at a standstill, but we're starting to get them back. And baseball is back, at least to some extent, in Florida. So, yeah, you mentioned – I think you mentioned it on last week's show, but talk to me a little bit more about uh, how, how, how the gig's going down south. It's going pretty well so far right now. So far we've had no positive tests within our league as far as I've, I'm concerned with at the moment. Um, I've been doing the broadcast. We've done two broadcasts for their game of the week for the South Florida Collegiate Baseball League. This week, it was a lot better than week one. Week one, I had to do it solo, call a game that I don't know any of these players, any of the teams, any of the coaches, and I just kind of winged it, and it didn't go too well. But this past one, I was able to do a bit more research because we had a bit more of a, a file on who these guys are and how they've been playing. And then I also brought on uh, Coach Kyle Forbes, the head coach of Palm Beach State College here, the local JUCO up in Lake Worth. He he came on the broadcast for the game, and it was great to have him on. He really added a little bit extra to that broadcast, exactly what we needed, and it was a great game. And it went to extras. The was it the Boca Raton Blazers beat the Pompano Beach Clippers in extra innings, thanks to a big grand slam in the uh, in the tenth. And it was cool because we got to see the new runs or the new extra inning format that we will see in the major leagues this year. Oh yeah. Runner on second, which is, I don't know. I'm not a fan. We'll talk, we'll talk about that. We're going to get to baseball. Yeah, it's like hockey in the uh, three on threes. Yeah. You don't tell, I, I know you mentioned you had to call a game by yourself. That must've been really tough, you know, mm -hmm. you know, with, with the league that you're doing and the circumstances and everything else, but don't tell Alex Krutchik this, but I love calling the game by myself. I don't have to give anyone airtime <laughs> to anyone else. Uh, but don't tell Alex that he was my obviously my lacrosse broadcast partner uh, for a shortened lacrosse season this year. Uh, and, and Gary mentioned uh, the new baseball rule. We're going to talk about baseball coming back. Summer camp starts this week. Uh, we are trivia's back. It's been Gary three weeks a month since we've done trivia. We we had it on almost every show. We've kind of slacked off. And we took a couple of weeks off. We had that really cool episode of Ryan Kelly. We talked about 2016 Florida State football. Uh, well, we do have trivia back this week. Today, today will be the epitome of the rest versus rust, rust debate. Right. And to see For how sure. well I've dealt with this time off and see if I can retain my title. You're, and you're a two-time champ now, right? Or three-time. No, I'm three-time. Three-time champ. Come on, get, get that time. right. Get the numbers Which right. Which means <laughs> three-time champ means he's lost it twice already this summer. Yes. That's what that really means. <laughs> but but no, joining no, our I, panel. I, no, I, I've only lost it once because I went on a three-week stretch – uh, okay, so but I'm talking about how many times have once. you reigned as champion? Uh, twice. Twice. So I. Okay. But I haven't lost it. The, I haven't lost, lost the it second time. time. Yes, I've only okay. lost it once. So maybe you'll lose it tonight. Who knows? I could. Maybe not though, because I'm hosting and I'm not involved. <laughs> and, and joining our panel again, uh, our producer Sebastian Angeliano. Sebastian has, uh, you know, obviously been an amazing producer this summer. And uh, but how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing really good this week because it's back. It's finally back. You know, we were teased uh, right before everything went into lockdown in February with the Australian Grand Prix. But this weekend, Formula One will be back with the Austrian Grand Prix. It's the first time in almost 50 years, or over 50 years, 
uh, that the F1 calendar will begin in Europe. The last time it was, was in the 60s, and it was Monaco, which was the first race. I'm just happy to see, to have something to wake up at like four in the morning to watch. I was, uh, I was at uh, a local um, haircutting establishment that is uh, infamous for playing like ESPN on all their TVs. Uh, no free ads. Um, <laughs> but I'm also not ashamed to admit I get my hair cut there. Uh, but they were playing the E or the iRacing version of the Le Mans, the 24-hour race. Oh, yeah, race. the virtual Le Mans. And honestly, and, I, and I'm also not ashamed to just say this, I felt like an old man because it took me, and I was only like kind of half watching, it took me like 10 minutes to realize that it was iRacing. They had to actually show one of the guys in his rigs because I, whatever you know simulation they use – it was uh, it was pretty realistic, good graphics, and I was I was like, oh wait a second, this is not actually happening, this is a video game. <laughs> um, Those but- virtual Grand Prix are really interesting to watch, and Le Mans is pretty special because Le Mans is something that you kind of sit back, you get a bunch of snacks, and you have like two or three screens in front of you, and you just watch different perspectives and you enjoy it. And it wasn't very different with the virtual Grand Prix. There was even um, hardware failures for some of the racers like this one guy his steering wheel broke halfway through the race so they had so they had to he had to drive with his keyboard essentially uh into the pits so that they could switch out another driver for him oh my god i will say you talk about the multiple screens and the snacks that's what i do with mid-major college basketball um back on the show tonight is uh he joined the panel he was on pretty early on uh, when we started doing, we switched to just podcasts. Uh, it's Luke Hazen. Uh, Luke's still here in Tallahassee. I think you and I are the only ones that are on the show tonight that are that are still in T-Town. Yep. Um, what have you been up to, man? How, how have you been spending the days? I Well, first and foremost, I'm glad to be back on, Brett. It has been a while. It was, man, it's been a while since I've been on and since the last dance. That's the last time right. I came on to, to discuss sports when we didn't even have actual sports to discuss. But um, I've kind of gone off the grid a little bit and – you know what, the, about the only thing that has, you know, fulfilled my time during this pandemic, I've been playing and watching just an embarrassing amount of golf. What, just consuming, because yeah. it's the only sport back right now. And it's the only sport where you can safely social distance, as far as I know. So that's what I've been spending most of my time doing. Who won this, this past weekend at the Travelers? Dustin, uh, Dustin Johnson. He, he got his 21st uh, career PGA victory. He has won in each of his first 13 seasons on tour. So he's up there with Jack, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, and Tiger Woods as the only people to do that. Yeah, I, I, watched, the, I watched the first two rounds, and I kind of got caught up with some other things this weekend and, and, and didn't get a chance to watch on Sunday, but really been impressed with uh, – not impressed, but entertained by Bryson DeChambeau and, and, and oh, yeah. what he's been able to do, uh, and he is, he is jacked. And I, I don't remember which day it was, but – he had that par four where he just went over the trees and pretty like was it onto the fair onto the green on a par four. So yeah, it was it was about a four hundred and twenty something par four. He goes right, he misses where he was aiming for, and it trickles down the cart path so far that it ends up almost pin high greenside. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. He, he he's he the best spectacle in golf right now for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and joining the show for the first time, you've been on the show before. Correct. But, not in the podcast form. Not podcast Zoom form, no. All the way from from Verona, Wisconsin, or Madison, Wisconsin, the greater Madison area. 
is uh, our second resident Liverpool fan. It's uh, Brooks Brazo. Brooks, buddy, how is it up north? It's, uh, it's actually been really nice. Um, the past week, it's been a solid 80-ish degrees. Um, today, I uh, decided to go play 18 and got shut down at making the turn because it started pouring. But Okay, uh, so similar to what we're getting down. It poured here, like, not that long ago. Used to that down in Tallahassee, so. Yeah. It was all right. Well, you said it's in the 80s or low 80s. It's been 92, I think, the last few days. It's been uh, – and when it's not 92 degrees, it's, it's usually a thunderstorm. So, I don't know. I, I, I think I'd kill to be in Wisconsin. But maybe not the Wisconsin Dells because I heard they had a, a you know, virus outbreak. Uh, over well, that's pretty much where anybody goes in Wisconsin or the upper Midwest for vacationing. So, you have a bunch of people traveling from all over to – to one spot it's almost expected really yeah it's a bit of a tourist spot in wisconsin if there is one and uh it's a lot of yeah. indoor water parks the water park capital of the world right which is weird but it's, i've been before it's fun it's a good time it's a great time spent my childhood there well i i really wasn't expecting over the weekend to have a massive news story to, to cover on today's show but we were uh i guess delighted with news that cam newton had signed a one-year contract with new england patriots gary your reaction you don't seem uh, very excited about cam the former nfl mvp well going you, to the afc east you use the word delighted and that's just not <laughs> the way I, that's not the way i felt the minute i saw that notification come up on my phone yesterday it hit me like a ton of bricks it's but it was inevitable right yeah, but I just wanted to hope that Jared Stidham was going to be the starting quarterback in New England. And I know it's, Cam isn't guaranteed the starting job, but let's be honest, Cam's the best thing they got right there. And Cam's the starter as long yeah, as he's healthy. Exactly. And that's what it comes down to. So it's just how do the Patriots keep getting away with this and how, when will this end? When will the nightmare possibly end for the AFC East? They have my brother, my brothers in the AFC East. <laughs> right. And, this move for the Patriots. Now, a lot of people are already saying, you know, the Bills have got this division locked up. I don't think that can be further from the truth. They might win the division. The Bills, are, I think, will be a very good team this season. But if Cam stays healthy, the Patriots might have an upgrade at the quarterback position going from, two, from 2019 to 2020. Obviously, you, used, you lose Tom Brady in, in the greatest – you know, player in their franchise's history and potentially the league's history, you know, you don't really think you can upgrade from that. But I'm talking from the way Tom Brady played in 2019. If you get a healthy Cam, another quarterback that's won MVP in this league, that might be an upgrade at that position. And you look at what the Patriots could do on the other side of the ball. I mean, they were the best defense in the league last year. I really don't see that changing going into 2020. They've got Stephon Gilmore in the secondary, best corner in the league probably the Patriots might be a better football team this year. So I don't really don't think the Bills have this locked up. I think Cam was a great signing. It was the best the Patriots could have done. I'm shocked they did not go after a quarterback earlier, but maybe Cam's a guy they've had their their eyes, you know, their eyes on for most of the offseason they and they finally got it done. Um give me your perspective. You know, you you're a fan of a team in the AFC East, Gary. How do you think this really changes the, the, the outlook for the division? You, know, you could talk it, about the Dolphins too, I guess. Well, it makes it like what you said, it doesn't give the Bills the division anymore because right, once Brady left, is like, but okay. But I don't think they had it before this either. I think they had a, I think they were the outright favorite. I, they might I have been the favorite, 
That's what I'm saying. I said outright favorite, and and now they're now it's close. Now it could be even odds for whatever, or the same exact odds for the Bills and the Patriots, and for the Dolphins. I mean, we play. I think we play them pretty early on in the season again, uh, like we always do. But this it it hurts because we expect to have this kind of grace period where kind of the dust settles for a little bit. We get some time to rebuild. We get some time to not deal with a Belichick team that has a good quarterback or what we know is a good quarterback. And now they have Cam Newton coming in, who we already saw what he could do with a good coach with Ron Rivera. And now he's got an even better coach with Bill Belichick. So just seeing what kind of offense Bill Belichick could possibly come up with, because I'm not going to say he's going to make Cam just sit in the pocket the whole time, but he could possibly just pick and choose his battles and say, hey, we're not going to run you around all that much because we don't want to get hurt, but we want to still utilize your arm strength because he does have phenomenal arm strength and it can be utilized to the, to the right spots. And it's going to, it's a punch. It's a gut punch for the whole division, in my opinion. And it really does hurt. Luke, uh, if Cam Newton had the desire, well, I'm sure he did, uh, but if he felt that there was another, basically my question is, was this his only option if he, if he was going to be a starting quarterback in 2020? I mean, it might have been. If you're talking about – I was going to, you know, go against you until you mentioned starting quarterback. You know, as we get closer and closer to the NFL season and these starting quarterback positions start to get filled up, I wasn't really sure if we were going to see Cam Newton as a starter come week one in the NFL until the Patriots picked him up. Um but now, now that it's him versus Sidham, I think we, I think most of us can confidently say that Cam Newton, the former MVP quarterback, going into a season where he's healthy, he's had some time to recuperate from his injuries. I think he is clearly going to be the projected starter come week one, and that, that's fascinating to me because if there's one thing that Bill Belichick and his team knows how to do up in New England, it's how to protect the quarterback. They've had to protect a 40-year-old quarterback for years and years now when mobility was not an option in that offense. And so I'm going to be very interested to see how much Bill Belichick really puts Cam Newton out there and how he kind of designs his offenses to protect Cam Newton. And I want to throw an idea out the window that I've seen kind of been thrown around on social media. I haven't really watched any uh, cable sports television today, so I, I can't really speak for what they've been saying there. But the idea that Cam Newton's personality doesn't fit in with the New England Patriots. I mean, are you kidding me? Like the, the, the Cam Newton outgoing personality. Are you kidding me? Look at the players that the Patriots have had, you know, during the Bill Belichick era. Well, Tom Brady's a pretty outgoing guy in the media and on social media. Rob Gronkowski, Randy Moss. It, they signed Antonio Brown last season, for God's sake. It's like, yes, Cam Newton is not afraid to speak his mind. He's a very outgoing player. He will speak, you know, he, he will share his opinions on social media. But the idea that the Patriots are the equivalent to, like, the U.S. military where everyone's got to be in line, that's just not true. And I I, I don't know. It's uh, I think it's probably people just looking for a reason to hate on Cam Newton. They probably already didn't like Cam Newton. But the idea that he's not going to fit in uh, in the Patriots organization, that's just – that doesn't make any sense. Wasn't one of the major – sorry, if I could cut in real quick. Uh, Yeah, Brooks, before I before you go ahead and say what you're going to say, uh, wasn't one of the biggest things that like Patriots, I don't want to say haters, but um, people who always doubted, oh man, uh, Braid is a system QB. Well, if 
if Cam we've seen isn't a system QB, this this pickup should make you worried, right? Even if he does uh, post things to his Instagram and win dings. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, I mean, Belichick system with Brady is not good. They're not going to have the same system when it comes to these two quarterbacks. And that's just what's going to happen because these, because Brady and Newton aren't the same quarterback. And I think we all understand that. So yeah. I don't think this, I think there'll be a new system that comes in for Cam Newton. And, and, and don't get me wrong. And, and Brooks will go to you in a second, but the Patriots still have a lot of pieces that not a lot, but they definitely have a few pieces they need to add on the offensive side of the ball. That offensive line isn't what it was. They don't have as many options uh, in their receiving core, but I'm telling you with, with the great offensive line they already have and with the elite defense, I'm talking best in the league defense that they had last season, you know, adding a guy like Cam Newton and, you know, you're replacing a 42 year old quarterback is still like, I, I love Tom Brady and I'm glad he's a, he's a buck, but you know, the Tom Brady era is coming to an end, like in terms of his, him in the NFL. So to, 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 if you lose him, you're talking, do I want Jarrett Stidham or do I want Cam Newton? You know, you want Cam Newton. You want a guy that's won an MVP that's still got years left in his prime. Uh, but, but Brooks, uh, we've kept you quiet for too long. Right. So Cam Newton's still more than a solid option at quarterback. You said, obviously, former 100%. MVP. He's had success in the playoffs. And, and as you were saying, Brett, and everybody about um, being more uniform and fitting into, like, that mold of the Patriots, you know, not being outgoing in the media – uh, but then at the same time, having players that are outgoing, such as Rob Gronkowski, I sit here and I think, well, in, in the end of the day, sports professionally are a business. So as long as he's getting the job done and he's performing on the field, I don't think it's really going to be a major issue. Like right. if he's going four touchdowns a game, Belichick's not going to be like, you're not playing. I'm going to play Jared Stidham instead if, if Cam Newton's out doing random stuff. It's also it also needs to be noted this is a one year contract, so Cam Newton has options. Say he has a successful year. Say the Patriots make it back, they win ten to twelve games, they make it back into the playoffs. You know who knows what happens after that. But Cam Newton could say, you know, do I stay in New England and try to build, you know, the second leg of my career here, or he might get another spot that really drops the bag on him because you look at the way the Patriots were set up. Tom Brady was almost always taking less than what he was truly worth to stay in New England to let them build around him, which they did. And they won, you know, however many Super Bowls because of it. Cam Newton, he could either stay and say, yeah, let's build and let's, let's try to win some championships. Or he could go, you know, get the, secure the bag at another, at another place if he proves himself again and he stays healthy. And, uh, uh, you know, there's going to be obviously teams that are probably looking for quarterbacks next year. I know this year was the big quarterback exodus. Um, but yeah, Cam Newton, the ball's in his court and he's got a lot of options moving forward. Uh, any, any other? I, yeah. I was going to ask Gary, you know, looking at the AFC East as a whole now and looking at the bills who were the presumed favorite before Cam Newton got signed, do you think this adds or maybe pushes any pressure off of the bills? Now that the Patriots have gotten what we assume to be significantly better with this. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. I hadn't really thought about that before. And From the Bills' perspective, yeah. Yeah, it should help. Yeah, it should, Yeah, like you said, alleviate some of that pressure because now Josh Allen isn't expected to be the guy in this division, which I don't know if he really is, can be the guy in this division. But now, we, now there's Tua in Miami who may or may not start. We're, we don't know that yet. And now there's Cam Newton who's 
obviously a way bigger superstar and a way bigger and a way better athlete than all of the other quarterbacks in that division. So it really can. And I think it will help. And it could also give them a little bit of uh, a little bit of added motivation for the season saying, Hey, we were projected to be here and all because they got one guy. Now they're projected to be better than us. So it's going to be who can just use the media and press clippings in whatever way to motivate their guys. I mean, like we're going to see the Patriots. I mean, they just got knocked for, was it 1.1 million and a 2021 third round pick last round pick year yeah. due to their scandal with the Bengals and their research. So Wasn't there something about they're not allowed to, they're not allowed to video film anymore? any games yeah, anymore. Yeah. They're not allowed to even travel to games anymore. I think it, yeah. Cause it's like they can't, like they like to do their season long documentaries usually. And mm-hmm. they're probably, they're new England Patriots propaganda pieces. So <laughs> there won't be any more of those anymore, which is good. <laughs> That's big news, though. I mean, and I and I saw that headline, but with the Cam Newton news and you know other things going on, I didn't really read into that, and it kind of was swept under the rug. And mm-hmm. maybe they, uh, maybe they definitely planned, the, uh, definitely a planned news the, dump there. The Newton signing right when that was coming out, because uh, yeah. that was gonna you know take over the the sports news cycle. And I, I want to get to the the not the not the only reason that we brought Brooks on the show today because we do appreciate his sports insight. But one of the main reasons, and obviously my co-host Gary uh, has the same uh, affinity for a certain football club in uh, Northern England, I guess you'd say, Uh, but Liverpool football club uh, win the premier league for the first time. It was their first, uh, you know, championship in 30 years, domestic championship. Uh, They've always (coughs) won a couple European titles. Um, but Liverpool, you know, it was it was a matter of, of when, not if. Uh, once the restart began, they, they won the title. So, uh, Brooks, we'll go to your, you first, and I'll let you speak uh, as a fan for a little bit of Liverpool. Uh, what, what was that like to when, when the final whistle at Stamford Bridge uh, was blown and Chelsea had beaten City to secure the title for Liverpool? What was that like? So, it was – it was comparable to 10-year-old me when the Packers won the Super Bowl. It was a feeling almost, un- well. almost unlike any other. Um, and just to see the way Jurgen Klopp has ran an a- absolute riot through the European domestic season was amazing. Um, and to see just the – oh, I'm, I'm struggling to put it in words, but just – to see what it means to the city and everything they've been through in 30 years and to see what it means to guys like Adam Alana and Trent Alexander-Arnold to be there. And Trent can't, Alexander-Arnold can't, comes up through the youth system and he's been dreaming of, live, of lifting the Premier League trophy. It, just to see what it means to, to everybody around the globe, really, to all the Reds around the globe is something that I think is, is awesome and truly remarkable. Yeah, you know, Brooks, I'm so happy for you and the Liverpool fans, you know, that get to experience the first <laughs> Premier League title. You know, Chelsea have done it five times, so I kind of know, you know, that what that feeling is like. Um, I am only playing with you, but you did mention the people of the city uh, who are celebrating and definitely were not following social distancing um, in Merseyside, but I, I don't know. I, I, I won't judge them, I guess. I mean, I was judging them, but I won't judge them as much here on the show. Uh, Gary, uh, I'll, I'll just throw the same question to you, you know, watching that. I know you're uh, a re- reasonably new fan to the game, but I still think that championship is probably, you know, just as sweet for you. 
It was very sweet, but obviously I didn't have the same amount of, uh, I don't think I had the same amount of reaction to that Brooks did. I mean, my, the way that I got the ha- most happy with this title is seeing all the people that had been through all the dog days of this team and like had seen the ups and downs for the past 30 years, like show their emotion. And that's where I, that's why I love to see, like, I mean, that's just always fun, especially when, just when seeing any team win, like a team that's been struggling. So I think that's what kind of was the most gratifying thing because those people, I mean, you couldn't really think of some people that deserved it a bit more than others. I mean, obviously you could probably list off a bunch of others, but to see the team be kind of like battered and for 30 years to finally say we're the champions of England, it's, it's sweet. Yeah. You know, I mean, I will say I was annoyed watching the, uh, the Chelsea game uh, a little bit uh, because they were playing Manchester city. It was a massive game for Chelsea who were in a top four fight trying to secure champions league football for next season in the entire game. And I, I knew this was going to happen. Uh, you know, it was like, well, if Chelsea can pull out a result here, Liverpool will be champions of England. And I was a little annoyed because it was such a massive game for Chelsea, but I know I'd be silent if it were the other way around, but it, it is also interesting. Chelsea, you know, have decided the Premier League title, a game that involves Chelsea for like a lot the last few years. Obviously, they beat Manchester City to win it for Liverpool. Then they won it for themselves when they beat West Bromwich Albion. And then when Leicester won the title, um, you know, when they drew Tottenham 2-2 at the Battle of Stamford Bridge, I'm sure Sebastian remembers that game well. Um, but did, I, I know it sucks, like the, the way that Liverpool won it. They were headed for it before the restart. And... I think Liverpool fans are probably grateful that the season happened because there were rumors that it would, it would be null and void and they wouldn't win the title, which I thought would have definitely been unfair. They were like so deserving of the, of the title to the way they played. Cruelly funny. Oh, it would have been hilarious. Like, Don't get me wrong. Okay, so how does Liverpool blow it this season? Oh, uh, it took a literal act of God. <laughs> and, I, and I will flip it the other way. Liverpool was so much better than everybody else that it took a literal act of God and a worldwide pandemic to stop us from winning or stop right. the to Red try, from to winning. Try to right. stop. Right. To try you know, it's either Gerard's going to slip or uh. you know, there's a global pandemic. <laughs> so, uh, it's one of those. It's always something. But, you know, even if they had not finished the season, it would have been nearly criminal to, to not award Liverpool the title, but did – was it bittersweet that, you know, and I know you guys obviously, you know, can't go to games because you live here stateside, but would it have been bitter? Was it bittersweet to, to see them win it in front of no fans? Um, yeah. I mean, I, it would have been nice to have fans in, in, in attendance. It would have been nice if they would have done it back in, in April when they, when the whole season was going on, but I'm just glad it's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. You know, um, done and dusted for me personally it's been over since we battered Lester away on boxing day but right. um, it, it ended up just being a, a matter as you said uh, of not if but when um, but I'm just glad to see it's it's ended and and we're, we're champions of England or the Reds are champions of England sorry um, but uh, as you were saying being a Chelsea fan it I, that would bother me right to just see under the score line the whole time if score holds Liverpool wins the league. Right. And, and being an American sports fan, it's weird to not to have you win the league without actually winning a physical Playing. game. Right. Right. So. No, yeah, it, it's part of, but it's also part of what makes, you know, the, the sports so special uh, in, in different ways. Cause every once in a while, every once in a blue moon, 
you get, you know, some final day drama. It hasn't really been that way in England for quite some time, really since Aguero won it for City in stoppage uh, time. Since last year. Well, but it wasn't yeah. on the final day that it was decided. Or it, well, was it was it on the final. final. That was the yeah. final day, yeah. But it's, I mean, it would have taken you guys – Liverpool would have had to win like 5-0, right? To, to, wasn't it three? I thought it was three well, we lost. Well, we lost by a point. Like in the final standing, right? But if 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 you guys, it was there was. Oh well, yes, yes on, on goal, goal difference. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there was a little bit of drama. I do remember that now, but it wasn't where it, you know it could have gone to anyone. And it was pretty sure that it was going to go to City for a second straight year, and it did. But Liverpool got their comeuppance this year and, and actually smashed it this season, and, which is insane given how good City still have been this year. Uh, and probably will be for years to come, especially if they can only focus on the league and don't have to worry about the Champions League. Uh, might make things difficult for for Liverpool and potentially Chelsea, who could could be competing for the title next year. Uh, well, what what's the next step? I mean, for for Liverpool here, do they need to sign? Like, what what position do they have to improve? Because honestly, it's not it's not the fullbacks, it's not the front three, maybe a midfielder. So I think it's. I think it's reinforcement in the midfield and reinforcement in attack. At the goalkeeper position, you're fine. Defensively, you're fine, as long as Diane Lovren does not play another minute. <laughs> as long as that doesn't happen, I think you're, you're fine defensively. Uh, Midfield-wise, with the emergence of Nabi Keita, as long as his off-the-field issues don't run, get in the way, and um, Takumi Minamino, I think you're going to be okay. But with the front three of Mane, Firmino, and Salah, as long as they're healthy, they're fine. But, I mean, you have the AFCON in two years, and you, you can't just plan on them playing 38 games a season, right? right. Um, so, I mean, if you go, it'd be nice to have some reinforcement. I saw some stuff about Coutinho coming back, which I think is a bit of a stretch, but even a, just a tiny bit of reinforcement would be awesome. Well, you know, they could have had it. They could have signed Timo Werner, but, you know, mm. Chelsea came in and uh, right. decided to, to, to drop the bag for Timo Werner. So we'll move on from the Premier League. You know, we've talked about it a lot the last couple of weeks, and I hope we get to talk about it more, uh, you know, as the season runs down. There's still a lot to be decided. So, again, another interesting thing, you know, like Brooke said, it's weird not seeing your team be the, like, reason that they won the title. It happened in another game. But there's also so much to be decided in the, in the Premier League with the top four, potentially top five, if Manchester City are, are you know, eventually be banned from the Champions League and the relegation battle as well. And you've got like Watford and West Ham who have been clubs that for the most part have, have been Premier League constants for, for the last decade. West Ham, I think, were last relegated in 2011. Um, they're fighting to, you know, they're potentially going to be relegated this season, which I think would be a little sad uh, because they've been so consistent in the Premier League. But moving back stateside, Major League Baseball. It is coming back. Uh, summer camp is what it's being called. Spring training 2.0, preseason camp, whatever you want to call it. Summer camp is the most fun name for it, summer I will camp, say. Summer camp, for sure. Uh, 60 players for, from each team, or each team had the opportunity to name 60 players that are going to be on their 60-man player pool. These are the guys they'll be able to uh, you know, break camp with. They're going to have 30 players on the opening day roster. That's going to then trim down to 28 two weeks later. And then down to 26, which would be the normal active roster this season, two weeks after that. There's no September call-ups. The roster will stay at 26 a month in the season all the way through the postseason. I don't know, Gary, that's a little backwards to me. You're not getting September call-ups. 
I would have preferred if they just left it at 30-man rosters for the entire season, especially to benefit maybe the pitchers and keep the pitchers healthy. We talked about it last week. You're not going to see, at least early on, or you know, maybe once in a blue moon, but you're not going to see six or seven inning outings from these starting pitchers early on. Yeah, and that's what was weird. I really would have expected them to just stay consistent for this whole season because it is it's a sprint now. So you kind of – it was weird that they kind of just – are doing that and like shortening up the rosters as we get closer to playoffs. But I don't know. I th- I'm excited though. It's going to be a lot of fun watching the spring training. I've been looking at the list that the Marlins are inviting and it's, it's interesting. It's a lot of fun to go through and say, hey, we can see these guys possibly getting the call up this season. Yeah. Luke, uh, Wander Franco on the race, 60 man pool. I actually, right before I were recording Tomahawk talk, I was recording, raise your voice. And we, t- we talked about Wander, uh, don't really think he's going to make an appearance, but it's cool that he might now that he's on the 60-man pool, right? Oh, yeah. They, they can experiment in any different – any number of ways. Um, I, honestly, I was really, really pleased with the Rays 60-man roster, uh, just about everything that I wanted out of it. But piggybacking up for what Gary said, it does seem kind of weird that you would get rid of September call-ups but then expand the rosters to start the season – yeah, and then narrow it down as we get get along. I I don't know, but it it will make for some intense uh, September baseball. You're basically playing postseason baseball in September with the rosters and how it's how it's organized for sure. To be honest, Luke, it's going to feel like a uh, playoff baseball on opening day because it is such a yeah. short season. And and you talk about you know how we watch the games, and I'm gonna have to keep reminding myself of this honestly, especially while I'm covering the Rays, like this season is so different. If you get swept, it's no longer like, yeah, they'll, you know, they'll snap out of it. That's that's it's become a pattern, but now that's like such a big part of the season. Getting swept to gut gut punch in and of itself, even in a 162 game schedule, it's never a good feeling. This is going to feel like you're on the verge of death watching your team get swept. If if that so happens, it'll, it'll add a level to excitement of it. But uh, I've I've always said this, it's not going to feel like a normal baseball season. We we knew that going into it and, and we'll take what we can get as long as it's, you know, safe and there's no outbreaks. You're not putting more people in danger. But it's going to be weird. We're going to have to keep reminding ourselves, you know, nightly that like, oh, this this game, you know, we really need to make sure that we put in the right reliever here in the bottom of the sixth inning. You know, it's, it's, it's that big of a deal. And, and the schedule's changing, obviously. Uh, te- teams are not playing every team in their league, which is the first time like in the history of Major League Baseball that that's happened. Uh, which is pretty incredible. So the American League East is only playing – all their American League games will be within the American League East, and then they're playing interleague games. A third of their schedule will be interleague games against the geographic equivalent in the opposite league. So obviously for the AL East, they'll play NL East teams, so we're going to get more games between the Rays and Mets, more games between the Rays and Marlins. the Marlins. Actually, I think the Marlins and Rays will play the most. You're playing your geographic rival – yeah. most out of the interleague so gary it's more citrus series you really can't go wrong there huh i love it we get more than four games this season it's gonna be a ton of fun reignite the rivalry <laughs> we'll have to we'll, i'll have to get you back on on raise your voice because you came on last last yeah. week to do a citrus series preview so. yeah i'd be more than welcome to jump on the show but you're also going to get some really great pitching matchups we could see you know blake snell mm-hmm. versus jake Degrom, charlie morton versus jake Degrom. Brooks, the Mets, do you, do you think the 60-game season helps or hurts them? <laughs> Who knows, honestly. Um, which, I mean, sounds like I don't know what I'm talking about. But, like, with the Mets, 
you can go and you can have your pitchers where you with DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman. You, there's three guys you throw out there, you expect to win a baseball game every single time. And then in that case, it's a matter of are they going to score? Well, is Cano healthy? Is Cespedes healthy? Do we have it the power offensively? So I'm expecting really, really good things, like every single season. <laughs> but we'll see. It, I will say, uh, I don't I, think – Unfortunately, yeah. it's a toss-up. Yeah, I will say, I don't think any team or many teams benefited from this layover more than the Mets did. They're just getting getting your team – I know Syndergaard isn't going to pitch no matter what this year because of the oh, injury right, that right. he – that he's overcoming, right, but yeah, just, just the ability for teams that were kind of on the verge come spring training to get healthy and get focused come this huge stretch coming down uh, in August and September. It's it's nice to have well, the, there's, the days off. There's been a bunch of reports coming out of Marlins camp, at least right now. And according to Michael Hill and some of the people reporting around the Marlins, that a lot of our pitchers are now are already up to a 60 to 70 pitch bullpen right now for the Marlins and getting into it. So the guys for Miami are staying on their staying on track right now to be ready to pitch almost full games when they get back. They're, they're ready to make a postseason push. Anything Michael, can happen in sixty games. Michael Hill said in quote today from uh, Craig Mish, he said, "Why not us?" Mm, That's I don't know about that. Speaking Why of the pitching us? matchups, I mean, how is that opening night, opening day? Oh yeah, Garrett Cole versus Max Scherzer. Are you kidding me? That's insane. And I'm I'm hoping we get. That's that's the beauty in the third of interleague games. You get matchups that we don't normally see in a regular baseball season. Um, yeah, I've hated interleague play always, but I think it makes it a little better with the universal DH. Mm. Oh, one hundred percent. I was going to get to that later. I I love how this this shortened season might be good for something in that we finally introduce the universal DH. Something I I've been pining for forever. Gary's going to disagree it's gonna with stay. me. I know, I know. It's, yeah. it's the death of the NL. It's the death of uh, Good. variety and variety in the spice of the life. NL benefits too. They benefit. They get an extra hitter in their lineup. Yeah, but we benefited when we had a pitcher batting, and an AL team had to have a pitcher batting. And oh the, my god! Okay, well, you benefited for what? Managers had to employ a little bit of strategy into the game, and God forbid you employ strategy into the game of baseball anymore. Okay. Well, okay, and I cut them off. I may be it an American League boy, but I absolutely am favor for the purity of the sport. Thank uh, you. I will, I will cross the picket lines on this one. I, I am pro no DH. Finally, a sensible man in this conversation. I don't know. Well, I think it, there's a case to be made that it makes the game more fun, though, having the DH in both yeah, leagues. Yeah, you know, I understand you that. You can't pitch around, guys. You got you to gotta have it every single time here. No, I, yeah, Eliminates I the sack bunt. See, well, that's not getting into the bond because I love the bond. See, yeah, that's strategy in baseball. I'm very much pro like, bond. I understand it's for like I understand where people are coming from. It's for the betterment of the game right now. Baseball is the dying sport, so they need to get more action, more excitement. So I understand from that way. But from my base, I'm I consider myself to be more of a baseball purist on the side. On if you have the scale, I'm leaning towards that side more often than not. And it just pains me to see because I've grown to love watching hitters bat. And it's such a – it's fun. You know, you know what? I, I'm starting to hate that because, you know, what does it mean to be a baseball purist? Do you want no instant replay? Do you want no postseason, just the best records in each league meeting the World Series? Like what, what, like, what does it mean to be a baseball purist? I think what – in terms of for my way of interpreting baseball purists, it's how I grew up 
playing okay. and watching the game. So I think it's different for every single person when you look at it. So like so my, the baseball my, purist of the next generation could won't be, care about the DH. Yeah, it could be the DH is perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean that I think it's kind of it kind of moves along with the times. I because I'll what, tell you but what. Doesn't Gary, that de- doesn't I'll that like go against the definition of baseball purist? Right. So there so there's no pure baseball purist. But my pure baseball is that. So my pure baseball is Willie Ibar DHing for the Rays. I grew up, you know, so I grew up with a DH base. in the American League. So, so I guess you're, that's you're a purist. That's what I'm saying. I hate that. Like, oh, I'm, uh, you know, the purists. Like, what is a purist? Like, the baseball has always changed. Baseball has never yeah. stopped changing. Let's just call NF fans what they are. They're more boring fans. That's I yeah. Think, I think there is a direct connection, though. There's nine fielders. So there should be nine batters, and those and batters should are. be the fielders. And also, when it comes to playing no, the they game, can't hit. It, but when it comes to playing the game of baseball, well, they can't hit because they've been changed to become pitcher onlys or POs. Because if they spent more time hitting, they wouldn't be as good pitchers. But they're not a complete. It's efficiency. But, it's but efficiency. They're, not a, they're not a complete baseball player anymore. They're just a pitcher now. They're not a baseball player. But the thing is, like, there's ne- like in the history, like, even before there was like a DH hit, like pitchers were never good hitters. You have a couple that could like swing it a little bit, obviously, but don't bring Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, oh damn it! You can still have, <laughs> have two way players. Like you've got Shohei Otani, you've got you know Brandon mm-hmm. McKay, which is probably just going to be a pitcher from here. Yeah. on if I, if I had to guess, you can have two way players. But I'm saying like, let them focus on pitching. Let's get a DH in there. I don't know. I feel like this debate's going. Like, I get where you guys are. I know, but I get where you guys are coming from on the side of get the guys who know how to hit hitting, and that makes sense. Right. But I like I like the variety and the kind of the way that it, it creates a like, little bit of excitement. It creates a little bit of uncertainty in the game where that you don't know is this guy going to actually lay down a button? Is this guy go, is Madison Bumgarner going to hit a grand slam? Because he can. Brooks. Would you would you make the goalie do a couple shifts in the uh, third period? You know, in hockey. <laughs> well, not the third, but I mean, I. <laughs> no, that's a, no, that's I a would, good answer for him in the short, third. Short, short answer, no. It's a good uh, point, but it's. I still think it's a. You're comparing apples and oranges when you make the, whole, the whole thing because I mean, it's like saying, are you going to make the quarterback run a wide receiver route? And obviously, they're not going to do oh, it. Oh yeah, Taysom Hill can do it. I mean, but Taysom Hill's a different one. It's like in saying Mass and Bumgarner can hit home runs. It's kind of comparable in that sense. But I still believe – I still like my NL. My, I remember the good old days of the NL. <laughs> that, that's fine. And, and I was going to make another uh, – I was going to make a really great point about the Mets bullpen, but I don't think we have enough time. So we're going to move on. And uh, one more thing I do want to mention about the MLB schedule and my, my issue with it. Because I've always had an issue with interleague play because it makes the uh, – the, the schedules for different teams in each league more uneven. So for example, if you play, you know, how the schedule works is the divisions are usually paired up with another division in the opposite league every year. And you play every team in that league. And then there's always one team that you play every year, no matter what. So for the Rays, that's the Marlins and they always play the Marlins and then they'll play either every team in the NL central or the NL West, or they'll play the NL East, you know, it switches year to year this year you're only playing your geographic counterpart and you're not playing every other team in the American league or the national league, if you're a national league team. So with the wild cards, you're playing two completely different schedules, two different strengths of schedules, but in the wild card standings, you're competing against the same teams. Now I think the only way to combat that would uh, be to just do the top two from each division. And then, then you give 
the top two teams buys, which is still a little bit unfair based on who, what division you're playing in, but it's more fair than like denying teams in the postseason. For example, and, and I'm biased here, but I think the Rays, even though I think they're going to have a really good team, they're going to be able to compete anywhere. They are going to be playing tougher competition than maybe yeah, the teams in the yeah. West who besides the Dodgers and the Astros aren't going to have elite competition in that part of the country where the Rays, you've got the Yankees, you've got the Mets, you've got the Phillies, you've got the defending world champions, the, the Nationals, who still kept, you know, Steven Strasburg. So, and you got it, yeah, Atlanta. And the Braves. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I can't believe I mentioned the Mets before the Braves. That's, well, that, I, I'm right on the same page with you, Brett. Like, once I heard that it was going to be that way, it was going to be the East versus the East for this year, AL and NL, I was like, the Marlins are screwed. I mean, we got the – we got the worst draw out of all of them because we have to play you, your division. Your division is obviously very tough for the most part when it comes to you, right. the Rays and the Yankees and then the Red Sox every now and then the Blue Jays are going to be whatever. And the Orioles will, will beat up on the Orioles. I know that, but <laughs> maybe, I don't know. I think we should hopefully, <laughs> but it's going to kill some of those teams, like you said. And, but maybe those teams come out more battle hardened when it comes to the playoffs and having a, being more prepared because they face some tougher competition throughout the whole season. Yeah. You know, I was excited. The Rays were going to get to play the Cubs this year, Joe Madden against the Rays. That would have been a fun matchup. That's just not happening, but I'm not opposed to the schedule. Like it makes sense. I'm not opposed to the East playing the East central playing the central and so on, but the way the playoffs are like are formatted, it's really, I don't know. I think it's doing a disservice to the rest of the league. It's like, that's not fair that the Rays, if they don't win the division, which is, you know, you should always try to win your division. And I've always said that there should that's why I like the wild card game. I go back and forth on whether I think it's what I would choose to be the format, but it puts a real emphasis on winning your division, which should be the most important thing in baseball. I like how the MLB playoffs are a little more exclusive where it's not like the top eight teams in your division or the top three teams in your division in hockey and two wild cards uh, like you see in the NBA and the NHL. So I don't know. That's my issue. Again, well, this Brett, is a weird baseball season and I'll take what I can get. Yeah. You might get your, your wish eventually if uh, the Rays and the angels meet up in the wild card, you'll get to see Joe Madden. Uh, oh wait, that's right he left but before that when the schedule the schedule came out he was still the cubs manager and so he was going to face the Rays anyways he was was still going to face the Rays anyways as with the angels so i don't know that that is just my opinion and like i said i'll take what i can get boys shall we get to the trivia let's get it let's go let's do it so we're doing trivia on kahoot you haven't been listening in a while we that's the last time we did trivia is we've been doing on kahoot it's been working the best I'm going to go ahead and get my screen sharing and it's MLB trivia, but more specifically for the most part, all of these questions are surrounding the return of major league baseball in 2020. So they have something to do with a shortened season or other shortened seasons. That's really all I'll give you. So we've done baseball trivia before, but this is a little more tailored to what we're expecting here. So I've, I've emceed the trivia before, but I've, I haven't played in the game yet. So really? does someone want to update me on the standings, oh. what records I'm trying to beat, anything like that? That's right, because you were on the first trivia episode, but your phone died. That's yeah. right, yep. It was Gary, Tyler, Gary, Tyler. Tyler, Gary, and Brett, yeah. So we've had four different title holders, Gary, uh, Gabe Tisnes, Alex DePriest, and myself. Gary is a two-time champion. Where, I mean, he's won more than two times. He's yeah, won three I've games. held two separate times. He's reigned twice. Um, Alex brought came in and or Gabe won for was it ninety? I think Gabe won the the, the game nineties basketball, and then Alex won another NBA trivia or sport. No, 
I don't remember. I think it was, an, it, was Alex came in it was something basketball related, I remember. I think we, no, it was just the last dance. We did one on just the last dance. Oh, okay. Alex won that one. Uh, Gary won it back on sports movie trivia, I want to say. Yep. And has held it ever since. But we're back. Do you guys have Kahoot.it open so we can get this ready to go? Yes, sir. Right, I'm cool. ready with the pin. I am pulling it up now. This is great radio. Um, but <laughs> Gary is the current champion. We've got four competitors. We've got Sebastian Gary. Luke and Brooks, and it's uh, baseball is back trivia. So the pins are up now. I, I created this like an hour ago. So nice. we'll see how it goes. I'm going to try to read off the, the questions and answer choices as quickly as I can for the listeners. And then we'll, we'll, we'll throw a little commentary in as we go. Uh, reminder, if, you're, if you've never played Kahoot before and you're listening at home, it's usually used in the classroom. We're using it uh, in – Tom, on Tomahawk Talk tonight. So you get, obviously, points for every correct answer you get. The quicker you answer the question, you get more points. And if you accumulate, I think it starts at three in a row. If you get three questions in a row right, you start to get bonus points. So at the start, you can get up to 1,000 points, and I think you can start to accumulate more than 1,000 points per correct answer if you get on a hot streak. So even if you start short, start slow, you can, you can build that back up as we go along. There are 10 questions tonight. We've got everyone on the Kahoot, and we're going to get started. And let's see. All right. Question one loading up right now. What was the first year that Major League Baseball had to shorten its season? 1995, 1994, 1918, or 1981? Oh. Those are the four answer choices. The correct answer was 1918. (laughs) We had one correct respondent. Who was it? I don't. I can't tell it was, who it was. It was me. Sebastian. Sebastian. Why was it shortened? Oh no! I, I was. I was actually going to tell you all how I knew. It's a okay. classic standardized test practice. Oh, the oldest date is oh, always correct. All right. <laughs> if you don't want my 140 IQ plays, then why'd you ask me? I right. think that's why, a really. Why good... was it the shortened season? Why was yeah. it the first? No, but I think that's an Let's even better. Know even better tactic up from Sebastian, especially because I asked what was the first year that Major League Baseball had to do it? 1918 in World War One. They shortened it by like 14 games. It didn't really affect much. Uh, but yeah, 1918 for a shortened season. I, I went with the debate answer of 94 because that's right. That's like Strike, the most famous, yeah. the most famous shortened season until probably yeah. this year, which will take its place. Um, but yeah, 1918, the correct answer. Sebastian takes a lead. He's got 660 points. So it took him a little while to answer that one, but it paid off because he's the only one that picks up points. Luke Brooks and Gary all tied for second place at with a goose egg. So moving on to question two. Which player holds the record for the best on-base percentage over a 60-game span? Joey Votto, Babe Ruth, Mike Trout, or Barry Bonds? Three correct Barry answers. And Luke, (laughs) I'm guessing, took Joey Votto here. I'm the biggest Barry Bonds fan in the world, and I didn't. I didn't read his name over there. I immediately thought Joey Votto. Dang it. I, I mean, he was the odd man out because we got Babe Ruth, Mike Trout, and Barry Bonds, potentially the three greatest baseball players of all time. And then Joey Votto is not that great player, not at the same caliber as those three. Um, so maybe he stuck out a little more. He's still an on-base king, in my opinion. He's still – Barry Bonds. He still holds a place in my heart. Like a, but Barry is the obvious answer. He was like 650. He was getting on base and over a 16-game span. Just absolutely incredible. How so, many of those so, were walks? Uh, probably a, a good amount. The walks, yeah, too. 
Sebastian stays in the lead, 1,540. Gary in second, 815. Brooks with 790 points. And Luke, 0 for 2 to start. Embarrassing. Absolutely Not great. Sebastian in the lead, though. Question three. Which players hit the most home runs across a 60-game span? The answer choices are Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and Giancarlo Stanton. The correct answer was Barry Bonds. I double-dipped on you guys. The answer is always Barry Bonds. (laughs) Uh, Two incorrect responses for Mark McGuire and two incorrect responses for Sammy Sosa. I think you guys had a little bit of recency bias there. We just all watched Long Gone Summer. Actually, not all of us. I still haven't watched it yet. Uh, I I plan on watching it soon. But, yeah, no one gets that one right. The correct answer was Barry Bonds. I can't wait for the Pete Rose curveball next question. (laughs) (laughs) So Sebastian stays in the lead at 1,540 points. Question four, what is the best record any team has achieved in the first 60 games of a season? 41 and 19, 44 and 16, 48 and 12, and 54 and 6. Correct answer, 48 and 12. And we have four correct answers. So Luke, you get on the board. There we go. But. You didn't gain any ground on anyone, so is there any way, battle here. Is there any way I can get bonus points by naming the team if I get it right? Uh, I mean, in your head, you can. Why don't you go ahead and name them? <laughs> I mean, I, I was going to say the Mariners, 2001 Mariners. Is that correct? I think it was the Mariners. I think it was like the uh, like the New York Giants back in the, in the early 19th century. Or 20th century, rather. Hmm. All right, next question. Oh, let's see the points first. Uh, Sebastian, 20, 2160 stays in first. Gary, still in second place, 1,615. Looks close behind him in third, 1,490. And Luke gets on the board. He's at 700 points. Luke, you're going to need a hot streak, and you're going to need some people to falter if you want to get back in this one. Question five, what is the worst record any team has had in the first 60 games of the season? So, again, the opposite. Who has done the worst? 2-58, and 5-55, and 8-52, and or 11-49? and I'm an idiot. 11-49 Eleven forty nine is the correct answer. <laughs> I thought it was correct answers there. I felt like it went too high with the wins. I was like, oh no. Four correct answers there. Wow. So I have now a everyone's getting hot. Was it a right, Mets getting... season? Was it was it a Mets season? That was a little No, it wasn't a Mets season. I I mean I can look. Um could have very well could have been a Marlins season, but who knows? <laughs> and the uh the best record through sixty games was uh the Oakland Athletics <laughs> in two thousand one. <laughs> Okay. What? The best record for a 60-game stretch was uh, the Oakland Athletics in 2001. Anyways, okay. I can't 48 find this and 12. I, I should have wrote down the like who these teams were, mm-hmm. but I didn't because why would I? All right, Sebastian <laughs> stays in first, 2,950. Gary's hot on his tail. He's got 2,500. Brooks still in the running as well, 2,370. We're getting there. We're getting there. You got back-to-back questions right. Your only problem is – so did everyone else. I missed so, the Barry ones. I, missed I don't know. These might get a little more difficult, though, as we go along. Question six. In the 1995 season, which was shortened to 144 games, who won the World Series? The Cleveland Indians, the Seattle Mariners, the Atlanta Braves, or the Cincinnati Reds? Four oh, correct responses with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, that one wasn't a super difficult one. Yeah. Um, but none of us were alive when that World Series happened, so that might have made it more difficult. But obviously the Braves had an incredible pitching staff. Uh, Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz. They had Chipper Jones. They had Fred McGriff. They had you know, Bobby you know, an outstanding team. David Bobby Justice. Yeah. David, David Justice, of course. 
But four correct responses. You guys are killing this one. This one might be the easiest trivia yet. So let's look at it. Sebastian mm-hmm. hitting a hot streak, 3,740. Gary, 3,575. So closing the gap even more. Brooks, 3,335. And Luke, I, I have to say, you're not out of it yet. You know, one misstep from everyone That's else. That's right. Mm-hmm. He, could pounce, he could pounce big Don't time. Don't let me get hot. You are getting hot as well. Question seven. When the 1994 season was cut short, which team boasted the best record in baseball? The New York Yankees, the Montreal Expos, the Chicago White Sox, and the Cincinnati Reds. Three correct responses oh, for the Montreal Expos. Oh, Gary. I forgot. Gary, Gary. I hate Jeffrey Warrior so much. <laughs> Sebastian's <laughs> taking a big lead here, but the Expos were red hot. Everyone says that was the year they were going to win the World Series. They obviously never got the chance That's to why I remember. when that season ended. Um, but the Yankees were also very good. They had the best record in the American League. I almost thought about throwing this team in there as an answer choice, but the Texas Rangers, when the season was cut short, led the American League West with a record of 52-62. and 62. They had a one-game lead <laughs> in the AL West. So, uh, some ridiculous stuff in that what was a four-team AL West the Tigers were still in the AL East at that time the divisions looked a little the Brewers were still in the American League uh, the Astros in the National League so things were a little bit different then moving on to the next question oh we got to update the scoreboard Sebastian 4,915 points Brooks in second place 4,290 Luke, third place, 3,750. And then Gary, the champion, in last, 3,575. Is there enough time for Gary to come back in this one? I, could I'm be. doubting it. Could we'll be. see. But it could be a two-horse race right now between Sebastian and Brooks. But who knows? If they mess it up, Luke's right there to take it. Let's go. Next question, number eight. In what year was the DH added to the American League? So we oh, mentioned Lord. the DH earlier. 1945, 1992. 1973 or 2000? See, I don't, I'm not going to do well on this question today. My hate Three yeah. correct responses oh, no. from 1973. <gasps> wait, did Sebastian get that one? Yeah, I did uh, not get that one. Uh-oh. Gary, <laughs> wait, who, who missed it? Sebastian. Sebastian. I thought I wasn't going to get it. it. Oh, yeah. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought Gary I missed that one. My okay, DH hatred. Let's look at it. Brooks <laughs> no. in first place. Uh-huh. 40 but everyone except for gary is within a thousand points that needs to be noted we've got two questions remaining brooks at 5540 sebastian 4915 luke 4745 and gary in last place 4265 gary i think you're out of this one you just got to believe. Never say Why not us. Why not us? <laughs> it never works for the Mets, Gary. So let's go to the next question. Number nine. According to Caesars, which of these teams has the best odds to win the 2020 World Series? The Minnesota Twins, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Los Angeles Angels, or the Cleveland Oh, Indians? no. No, that was stupid. I'm Caesars, so stupid. There we go. There we go. For the Minnesota Twins, Luke Don't Hazen. tell me. Don't yeah. tell me. Coming in from behind, we got to check the scoreboard. Luke and Gary no. nail this one. This could be a tight yeah. scoreboard going into the last question. Yeah, and peep the shirt. Peep the shirt that I'm rocking tonight. Luke is wearing a Minnesota Twins shirt. It was rigged. Home he told run. me last year the Twins were going to win the Central. I doubted him until the Cows came home, and they went and did it, and they did it with ease for the most part. And this year, I think they'll probably win the Central again. They've got a really easy path for the most part into the postseason, and all they would have to do is win it. The Rays, like I said earlier, have a more difficult path. 
the Angels, uh, I just don't know if they're good enough yet. They, I don't know if they have the pitching. Uh, and then the Indians, the Indians uh, obviously Kluber, traded yeah. Corey Kluber. So, yeah, who knows what they've got going over on, going on over there in Cleveland. Let's look at the scoreboard. Luke hops into first place, 5,920 points. Brooks in second, 5,540. Gary in third, 4,990. And then he's back by more than 1,000 points. Sebastian falling all the way from first wow. to worst. 4,915, but Luke, you, you've, you've completed the comeback. Started one, started one for three, one now for the four, something like that? Now the target's on your back. This is mm-hmm. the final question. It's all about Legitimately, how you I think everyone has a chance to win this one. So, well, so if Sebastian's hot streaks out, he might not, because I think he can only get 1,000. Yeah. But this is going to be tight. I have no idea how this is going to finish. Let's go to question 10. Which pair of players will be defending their 2019 batting titles in the shortened 2020 season? Luis Arias and Cody Bellinger, DJ LeMahieu and Ketel Marte, Johan Mancata and Jeff McNeil, or Tim Anderson and Christian Yelich? It's a wrap. There we Four go. Four correct answers for Tim Anderson and Christian Yelich. I think Luke got his answer in time to secure the well, title. Don't tell me someone jumped me. I'm glad you guys all got Dang. the answer there. Let's see the podium. In third there place, we go. with 5,895 points, is Gary Putnick. In second place, with 6,105 points, is Brooks Brazo. And taking his first Tomahawk Talk trivia title is Luke Hazen with 7,270 points. Like I said, Luke, all you got to do is get hot at the end and get hot. You did. You win this one, so that means you got to be back on next week. And uh, Oh, yeah. Great performance. I don't know. That was a fun trivia. I thought there was a couple of questions that were difficult for, but for the most part, there was none, none that stumped uh, anyone, but wow. That, that was a, that was a fun episode. Guys. That was a um, fun. I, I like the Kahoot format. I think the Kahoot, the, format. The Kahoot is fun. the best thing we've done so far. Mm-hmm. And we're yeah. going to keep doing it until we're back in studio. Maybe we can even sneak one in and I'll be gone by that point, but maybe we can start sneaking stuff in, you know, once a month, do some trivia. I don't know. That won't be up to me, but that is going to do it tonight for Tomahawk talk. Thank you guys for listening. We, we hope to be back on campus and, and at the 89 as soon as we can. I, I know these guys miss it as much as I do, but thank you to our producer, Sebastian Angel Riano and for Brooks Brazo, Luke Hazen and Gary Putnick. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford. This is another episode of Tomahawk Talk. We'll talk to you guys next week.